You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. This is Professor Robert D'Agostino with Do Facts Matter? And I'm going to try today to put what's going on in perspective because I think uh, to understand everything that's happening and going to happen, I think you have to understand who really is calling the shots. And there's a very interesting uh, analysis, I think, it's an interesting analysis about uh, what's going on. You have the progressive movement, and the progressive movement is, is a utopian movement. And all utopian movements are, are based on the concept that if we destroy what is in existence, we can rebuild and have a, the perfect society. The great heresy of the progress of any utopian movement that we've had, whether it's a Christian utopian movement before the French Revolution or since the French Revolution, is that under the right circumstances we can perfect man. And that was uh, the view of the French revolutionaries. That was the view of the Nazis. That's the view of the communists. They're all in the same uh, uh, bag. And you can take look at history, and you can say, well. What happens when utopians get in charge? Ordinary people get killed. Well, they get sent to the gulag. And it's just a question of what is the uh, definition of the utopia? It always includes socialism, of course, because in, 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 in Marxist theology, let's go look, and I call it a theology, in Marxist theology, private property is evil, and therefore... The true socialist will nationalize all the means of production and will destroy small business. I mean, Marx made it plain that uh, private property, small businessmen were inconsistent with socialism, and we saw what happened. I've, I've mentioned this before. Uh, when Lenin uh, had to wreck it, had to uh, uh, save the Soviet regime in, in, in Russia, he went from collectivized farms to the new economic policy, which was free market and and by for farmers, and that saved they saved the Soviet Union from famine. But later on, Stalin, a true believer, a true true believer, a real socialist, true believer, communist, and the end of socialism, of course, is communism. Supposedly, that's when the government withers away. And so, what did Stalin do? He recollectivized the farms, and that means the farmers who were in private businesses. Those who were actually made surplus for selling, he had them shot. They were called the Kulaks, 40,000 of them killed. And, and, and the reason for that is they, the feeling among the Marxists is that if you have your own property, then you can be independent of central control, independent of society control. Well, anyway, so we have the progressive movement, which has taken over the Democrat Party, which is Marxist. And they don't make any bones about that. Black Lives Matter leadership says they're, quote, trained Marxists. Antifa is all about Marxism. It's not class warfare as much as it is ethnic and, cult, ethnic and social culture. Group against group. Uh, identity politics runs out of this. And it's very egalitarian or, or pre pretends to be egalitarian and, and, and leveling. Now, since they've taken over the Democratic Party, and, and uh, we can expect a, con a 
centralization of economic decision-making. We're already seeing that. The uh, Biden has killed the pipeline from Canada, much to the chagrin of the Canadian government. Thousands of jobs are lost. Uh, Long-term uh, uh, energy uh, supplies are, are, threat, are threatened. Long-term, not, not short-term. We've got plenty of short-term from other sources, other local sources. But we could see it happening, these economic decisions, just like the Obama administration. The Obama administration, who was picking, that administration was picking winners and losers. And, and all these green companies, which subsequently went bankrupt or got sold to the Chinese. And there's a whole list of them. And I know I've been promising to give you the list, and, and, and I will if I have it in my office. I'm not there now. There's COVID-19. We, we don't go to the office very much. Uh, but in any case, you have this identity politics. You have this creation of victim groups uh, and uh, convincing groups that they're victims. And you have enemies, of course, white heterosexual males are the, are the, are the big enemy. Um, and that's going to swap over to black heterosexual males and Hispanic heterosexual males. They're all going to be part of the, uh, the, the uh, oppressor group. And they're all, that's already happening anyway. But in any case, um, we are where we are. But who's allied with the, the Marxists? Who is funding them? Who funds Black Lives Matter? Who funds Antifa? Uh, who, who is with them? And the answer is the major global corporations. The major global corporations are in league with them. You say, well, that's not possible. What are they interested in? Well, the major global corporations are interested in revenue, money. Therefore, both the Marxist side of the progressive movement, Democrat Party, and the globalist side, the major corporations, particularly Facebook and, uh, and uh, Amazon, YouTube, all those, Twitter, all those. They are interested in revenue, and that, which it seems to be really inconsistent with the Marxists. But in any case, both are informally allied with communist China. On ideological uh, grounds, the Marxist group likes communist China, likes the way they centralize authority, likes the, the rhetoric, which is more important, you know, about... <clears throat> leveling and and and, uh, and uh, kind of a modified uh, actually it's probably the truth what what we have in, in communist China is, is corporate corporatism it's, it's a corporate system it's really not it's got some elements of the free market and uh, some elements of socialism and this corporate which is what the Democratic Party is all about they're corporate they're anti-small business they, they uh, uh, are very much in favor of the major global uh, companies, and you'll see that in their policy. There is no danger that Facebook and Google and YouTube and all these people will suffer antitrust uh, actions. After all, they're part and parcel of the, the, the alliance that put Biden in office and, and, and his anti-Republican Party, or basically anti-deplorables. I mean, after all, both the Marxists and the globalists, global corporations, have nothing but contempt for ordinary people. I mean, after all, ordinary people, I mean, come on. 
got to do manual labor. Oh, no, that's contemptuous. And, and my goodness, they go to church, and they may believe that stuff. Oh, no, can't do that. They may even smoke cigarettes instead of snorting coke. That's no good. And, and, and worst of all, they have guns. It's okay for criminals to have guns, but law-and-body people with guns? Oh, no. They may even use them to kill Bambi. They may even eat Bambi once in a while. Uh, so all this is a matter for contempt. Uh, and so the contempt for Trump, a lot of that is really a contempt for ordinary folks, because Trump was not contemptuous of ordinary folks. On the contrary, he liked them. I think it's pretty clear he did. And he had to be condemned for liking them. He knew what the globalists were up to, and he was putting the screws to China. And they didn't like that, so he had to go. Because the Democrats talk about Russia, Russia, Russia. Russia's a big deal <laughs> in terms of, uh, in, and as compared to China, it's, it's, a, it's, not, a, it's not really a big threat. Uh, their economy is, is, is nowhere near even what some, I don't, I don't think it's even near what California's economy still is, despite the efforts of the left to wreck the economy in, in, in California. Um, but in any case, the question is, there's a contradiction between the funders of the Marxist left and the Marxist left's rhetoric and, and what their claim goals are. So sooner or later, that's going to be very interesting. When is it going to be that the, the, uh, the uh, big corporations, international corporations, I don't mean the corporations that produce things like ExxonMobil that actually produce gas and oil and and, uh, and deliver it to the commodity to the people. I mean those who, uh, the financial institutions that make their money by, by playing with paper, derivatives, hedge funds, manipulating stocks, manipulating options, uh, making money off uh, other people, uh, as they do in, in Wall Street. And uh, and I mean the service companies like Amazon. They don't produce anything, but, but they, they, they service that people value. And Facebook and YouTube and those people, they all look at 1.3 billion people in China, and that's where they want to go. And they, Trump had to go. He was interfering with their generation of revenue, and they don't give anything. They're not. They don't consider themselves U.S. citizens. They don't consider themselves Americans. They consider themselves global citizens. Like Bill Gates, who wants to put chips in people for... Now, he denies it, but uh, you got to go look at the transcript of what he actually said. And, you, and those chips are you know, for health reasons. Well, they start for health reasons, and, they, and they're tracking reasons. So we have uh, an alliance that cannot stay together long-term. Uh it really can't. Now, obviously, since both both parts of this alliance are also into power, the problem is the Marxist end is into power and destruction. The globalist end is into power and money. And sooner or later, there's going to be a, 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 a division and, you know, as a lot of these utopian movements tend to eat themselves. Look what happened in the French Revolution. Danton, one of the leaders of the French Revolution, eventually had his head chopped off. The incorruptible Robespierre also had his head chopped off eventually. Thermidor 
And then you had uh, the rise of Napoleon, uh, the strong man rises. So, uh, and what about uh, Mao Zedong? Uh, he's in he's in power. He's destroyed the the uh, nationalist regime. And how many years later does he launch the another destructive phase, the Cultural Revolution? And the left always has to, utopian movements always have to come into destruction because they can never achieve utopia. The Christians have it right explicitly and implicitly in the Old Testament. The Jews have it right, and that is man is fallen. In Christian theology, original sin, or the fallen nature of man. Go look at the, uh, the scriptures, the Old Testament. Nobody, all the heroes are, are flawed human beings like everybody. Look at the New Testament. Everybody's a flawed human being except Jesus, and they're flawed. And this idea that you can have heaven on earth or, or the perfect society is a first a Christian heresy, and now is opposed to 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 reality. And that's why every utopian movement ends up killing human beings and imprisoning them, killing them, as. Um, one famous socialist said in 1956, after Khrushchev gave his speech about the crimes of Stalin, he was quoted as saying, we always thought we had to sacrifice a generation. And how about the professor who was in a debate, Marxist professor with a free market uh, conservative, and who was asked point blank, well, are you willing to sacrifice 20 million people? And the professor said, yes, if, if we can establish, the, essentially, I'm paraphrasing, this perfect society. Right. So you have this problem. So if you understand that we're dealing with a religion, Marxism, and, and, and the progressivism, which has adopted Marxism, and uh, it's a religion. I mean, it's got a sacrament, infanticide. It's like a primitive religion, in fact. Infanticide was very common among primitive religions. Uh, the story of, uh, you know, Isaac uh, put an end to that in, in, in Judeo-Christian thought uh, and, and practice. So, so we have a, uh, a sacrament, in fact, they call it something else, they call it abortion, but, you know, they're willing to do a peck, as one person said, that, you know, if, if one toe of the baby is still in the birth canal, can you still abort it? And the answer is, of course, yes. Um, and, and if you listen to what Obama said and what uh, New York lawyers, abortion uh, can, uh, baby born uh, because of a blocked abortion, you let it die on the, on the table. Uh, and of course, magic. You know, and it's, boys can say the girls, girls can say the boys. I'm sorry, are we up against the break? Yes, sir. Okay, I'll be back. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. 
So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. Hi, I'm Lee Greenwood, and I am so proud that the Warriors for Hope group has asked me to host their first annual fundraising event to benefit St. Jude Children's Research Hospital and Warriors to Citizen on January 28th. I'm looking forward to some very impressive people talking to us about social responsibility and the need to help worthy people with long-term physical or psychological issues. It's going to be a great show with a great cast, I promise. And hey, I might even sing. Go to Warriors for Hope website to register and donate to support our cause. Whether cruising the Strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. This is uh, Robert D'Agostino, Professor Robert D'Agostino, back with you Facts Matter. And, and I certainly don't to a, a religion like progressivism. Uh, again, we, we've talked about it. Uh, sacrament, infanticide, called abortion nowadays, magic, boys can be girls, girls can be boys, and myths, systemic racism. What system are they talking about? What exactly are they talking about when they talk about systemic racism? Are they talking about college admissions? I don't think so. Talking about entertainment business? I don't think so. Are they talking about academia? Heck no. What are they talking about? Only thing they ever point to is police, police brutality, which, by the way, is not a serious problem. Any statistic will show you that. And in fact, uh, the problem in the black community is, is not racism, not police racism. Most black police in major cities are black anyway. Is crime. And who commits the crime? Young black males. And who gets murdered? Young black males. Who prevented this from happening? Giuliani and Bloomberg in New York, among others. Stop and frisk. Okay, Bloomberg went a little far with stop and frisk. Uh, But since the end of stop and frisk, which got guns off the street, holy cow, guns off the street, I thought, Gun control people want that, but they don't. They don't want guns taken out of the hands of uh, criminals. No. That plays right into to, to, to the Marxist determination to destroy society. They can blame it on society. They can alibi the murders and the looting and the rioting all on societal systemic racism, which is nonsense. Before the great society helped to wreck the lower class communities, mostly black at the time since the programs were really aimed at uh, minority communities and at that time the largest minority was American blacks um, uh, you know crime has crime has risen my families families been destroyed in those areas and, and, uh, and there's a lot of sociology about crime single parent homes breed crime and that sort of stuff it isn't it's, it's not poverty breeds crime it's a crime breeds crime breeds poverty. They got it backwards. The left has it completely backwards. But anyway, 
we, so since we're dealing with a religion, and to oppose this religion, identity politics, that concept of systemic racism, and the concept that boys can be girls and girls can be boys, to oppose that makes you a heretic. So that is why the hostility and hatred and the censorship on the major platforms, YouTube, Google, what have you, the censorship of, they even censor pro-life people who's out there saying, well, we don't believe in a, a abortion to be uh, unrestricted. And by the way, look it up. That Mocker Institute, most abortions, anywhere from over 70% to over 90% of abortions are convenient abortions. Nothing to do with the health of the mother or, or the, or the uh, health of the unborn baby. Uh, nothing to do with that. And you look it up. This comes from surveys of women who have abortions. Why they said they had it. My boyfriend made me do it. My husband said we can't afford it. It was an embarrassment to me. It interfered with my career. All these are convenience, uh, convenience excuses. Nothing about the health. So that's a big myth that the uh, Democrats and the uh, would like you to believe. But that's uh, not one of their myths. It's like systemic racism, that abortions are because of uh, the health of the mother. No, very few are. And uh, so, so, so since, since those of us who don't go along with the current uh, progressive Marxist religion, we're heretics. And from that flows the cancel culture. What they're canceling, we can't, they can't burn us at the stake yet. They may do that in the future, but at this point they can't burn us at the stake, so they cancel. So people use jobs. They get fired for something they said 10 years ago or five years ago. Allegations go back to teenage years that uh, even though unsupported, like the allegations against Judge Kavanaugh, but they cause a big stir. So any, anyway, the, the, these Cancel culture is is made to intimidate the unbelievers, just like in way back. And by the way, probably there's more freedom of speech in the Middle Ages than there is now in America. Uh, the um, the idea that uh, if you said something that was uh, you know heretic, that uh, questioned the the prevailing religion, whether it's uh, Christianity, Judaism, or even nowadays, Islam. I mean, Islam is Pakistan, you know, you, you question Islam and you can be in real trouble, you'll be arrested, it be crime, blasphemy. Well, now blasphemy has to do with disagreeing with the prevailing Marxist, progressive Marxist religion, and therefore they have to cancel us, the cancel culture run. Is 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 it was upon us? And people are afraid to speak. People can't speak. And of course, those who want to be socially incorrect go right along with that. And there's, and one of the problems is is that a lot of people will go along with it because they want to be conformists and they can rationalize why they go along with this stuff. I have a a, a friend of mine who is a oh. An intelligent, uh, fairly well uh, informed person who is uh, impossible. He's uh, g- kind of gone over to this idea, ridicule of Trump, ridicule of uh, 
of ordinary folks, ridicule of those who actually believe things on the Christian, uh, who have, have Christian beliefs who go to church and, and believe it. Uh, and, uh, but of course, this makes him acceptable among the, uh, let's say, the right people he wants to be accepted by. And of course, they dominate, these kind of people dominate uh, California, dominate New York, and uh, dominate the Democratic Party. And unfortunately, uh, there's an awful lot of people, especially in the black, the American blacks, who, who have a strong Christian faith that don't believe, they don't unrealize that what they are supporting when they vote for the Democrats is an anti-Christian party. I don't care what they say. I don't care this baloney that, you know, uh, Biden, I'm a believing Catholic, the heck he is. And so uh, the uh, he can say it all he wants, but the answer is, where does he stand on abortion on demand? Where does he stand on, on, on uh, same-sex marriage, core Christian values, core, core Christian social values? I mean, where does he stand on that stuff? Well, someone may ask him someday, because they don't ever ask Biden tough questions, but uh, maybe some reporter will, will do that someday. So, so we have this growth of the cancel culture, which is no really different in concept than the idea of burning one at the stake. Uh, and it uh, gives us a very, very, you know, uh, bleak future for free speech. And it's interesting in that even though the courts are <clears throat> thus far uh, protecting free speech in, in many ways, <clears throat> that's not necessarily religiously, excuse me for my thought there, uh, the, um, the major corporations are doing the dirty work of the left by intimidating people who work for them, firing them. Uh, and it's just a, uh, it's a very sad situation uh, but the but free speech in, in academia, free speech is virtually dead. The uh, <clears throat> you can't be a conservative and give a speech at most of the major universities. You, you can't make a presentation. Now, John Marshall, Atlanta's is John Marshall, because we're teaching by Zoom this year. But kind of wonder: uh, Will political correctness, will identity politics descend upon John Marshall, which? which has, by the way, passed the faculty that John Marshall did pass a few years back, a statement protecting free speech. And we'll see. We'll, we'll see if the, the faculty will abide by that statement or not. Uh, I think the, the students uh, uh, certainly are abiding by that statement at this point anyway. So what's going to happen? What else is going to happen? We know that the Obama administration will renew the Obama's attack on Christian beliefs and Christian institutions. That's a given. They're going to put increasing pressure, in financial and otherwise, on, uh, <clears throat> on Christian groups, Christian hospitals performing abortion, Christian groups like Catholic Charities placing children in homosexual, same-sex uh, uh, couples, even though it's against their, their religious beliefs. So we're going to see increasing pressure against Christian beliefs, and Christianity be increasingly defined as, as Christian beliefs as hate speech, as, as, as hate. Um, and we see that in the Southern Poverty Law Center already, where uh, to, to advocate traditional values is, is defined as hate speech and gets you on a list of, of, uh, of hate groups. And uh, that list is then used by the, uh, the uh, third-raters who... Uh, 
do the censorship for Facebook and and, and YouTube and what have you to, to knock you off. You know, oh, well, that's hate speech. And Southern Poverty Law Center says uh, not opposing same-sex marriage is hate speech. So this group is is off. We'll deplane them, deplatform. I should say deplatform them. So we get deplatformed. Anyone with with traditional views, and uh, so what else is going to happen domestically? Well, no, <clears throat> bet on the fact that the, uh, the Christian beliefs, Christian institutions, will be under attack. Um, we also can bet that the heretics who supported Trump, worked for Trump, were part of the Trump administration will be purged, will be attacked. I mean, there's a proposal in the New York bar to, to uh, oust Rudy Giuliani. I don't, well, this is a great mayor of New York, uh, one of uh, former assistant uh, associate attorney general, and they want to oust Rudy Giuliani. You know, I worked when in the Reagan administration when Rudy Giuliani was there. And, of course, he was always re- regarded as kind of a, a rhino in, in a lot of ways, a Republican in name only, and his background was actually in the Democrat, Democratic Party. But um, he had tremendous respect. People really respected his legal mind, his, his, uh, his, his decision-making. And uh, now he has violated some tenet or other of the mythology of the progressive religion. And, he's, and plus, he was a Trump ally, supported Trump and actually uh, became enthusiastic about things that Trump was doing, which uh, was he should have. I mean, Trump really was the president for the deplorables. He really was the president for ordinary folks. He really put community values ahead of merely economic values. In other words, he wasn't a libertarian free market person that, owned, that labor was a commodity, nothing but a commodity, just like any other commodity. And he understood that there were values other than purely economic values. If labor is only a commodity, why not go to China? Why not go to Vietnam? Why not go to Africa to, to, to get your products made? Uh, and because labor was a lot cheaper. And, uh, but, it was so, but disruptive. The free market, the extreme free market, is disruptive of community. And one reason is, and I don't want to go into all the reasons, but one reason is that it treats labor as a commodity that can be discarded if you can get that commodity at a cheaper price someplace else. So he understood that, which is what some of these tariffs were all about and what some of these re-getting re, uh, manufacturing plants to come back to this country. That will go away. And by the way, just to give you an example of, and I should have addressed this in the beginning, about how the coalition of progressive market Progressivism, the religion, the Marxist religion, which progressivism now is adopted, and the globalist seekers of revenue, mostly through not non-production, but through cheap labor or a large consumer base, you know, 1.3 billion Chinese, just to show you how that whole thing is, is really conflicted. The Biden administration, I mean by shouldn't say, but Joe Biden, Nancy Pelosi, and Chuck Schumer, Nancy Pelosi, Speaker of the House, Chuck Schumer, Majority Leader of the Senate, have all come out in favor of uh, 
doing away with the, the, the tax write-off to have. Under the Trump tax bill, the write-off for state and local taxes against federal taxes was capped at $10,000 per year. Before that, there was no cap. Now, you say, well, you know, there's a, there's a good argument to say that, that not, there should be no write-offs. Because the effect of that, the effect of no write-off, the, the effect of uh, no cap is to, for low-tax states to support high-tax states. And let me, let me give you an example. If the cap is removed, the top... The, the top quintile would get 96% of the benefits of lower taxes. It's a tax cut for the wealthy. The top, let me give you the number, the top one-tenth of 1%, one and how much money they would save. This is a Brookings Institute study. Look it up, Brookings Institute study. If they lift the cap, the average benefit to the top one-tenth of 1% one would be a tax cut of $145,000 per year. That's what I said, $145,000 per year. For the top 10%, percent would be a tax cut of 33000 per year. Now, some of that would be uh, counteracted by a, a, an increase in marginal taxes, which the Biden, but nothing could be uh, more anti-egalitarian, anti-redistribution of wealth than that. And of course, the Democrats, some lies are going to tell about how, how the, the cap is hurting uh, the, the, the uh, welfare in, in the high-tax states, how, it, uh, how it's a tax on liberalism. It's all baloney, and Brookings Institute has really done a, gr- a great job uh, in, in analyzing the real effects and the bullcrap that the Democrats are going to try and sell the American people. And, of course, the media will, will buy the bull because uh, they're, they're all in bed with the Democrats. But in any case... Just think about what I just said. That is contradictory. So that's a, a, it demonstrates how much the Democratic Party is controlled by the big money people. And they are. Follow the money trail. The Democratic Party is a party of big corporations, big financial institutions, big international traders, the global elite. And, and, and they, they get themselves allied with the lower income groups by you know giving them peanuts, uh, welfare payments, uh, and uh, you know that, that keeps them voting, keeps them dependent, and keeps them voting for the Democrats. So the uh, they don't notice that uh, the Democrats are really harming their 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 future potentials, harming their their opportunities. But then, that's another story for another day. But I, I want I just should have brought this up in the beginning. This is an area where the Marxist religious wing, the progressive Marxist wing of the of what's happening in this country to take over the Democratic Party also conflicts with the other part of the Democratic Party, their funders and the big business, big globalist funders. And when I tell the students to follow the money trail, and and I say, well, look look at the top fifteen billionaires. Let ask. Let me ask you a question: Are they Republicans or Democrats? And the top ten we did the top ten some years back was uh, eight out of uh, ten were were Democrats or seven out of ten were Democrats. One was unclear and two might have been two were Republicans. Uh, right now, of the top fifteen, 
how many are Republicans? I don't think you can find one three. And uh, so there's a question why all that money, it's not just cultural issues, not just because they all believe in homosexual rights, although they all claim to believe in that. The, the, there's economic reasons. The Democrats protect the non-productive forces in society, those who make their money by manipulating the stock market, manipulating derivatives, and that is where the eventual clash will come between the religious part of the Democratic coalition, that's the progressive Marxist part, and the financial revenue-seeking part of the Democratic coalition. But anyway, I I digress. And I'm going to go back to uh, my thoughts about the, 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 the future, and uh, aside from the uh, attack, assault on Christian Christian Christianity, assault on beliefs, and assault on institutions, and, and a, an attempted destruction of any uh, Trump supporters or people who work for Trump, and that's coming. You'll see that uh, the the left has no problem criminalizing political differences, which is what they've done with with Trump. They they tend to criminalize these differences. And by the way, those 10 House members who voted to impeach Trump, uh, they're going to draw Republican primary opposition, including Liz Cheney up in Wyoming, who's already drawn uh, opposition because of her vote to impeach uh, uh, Trump. And I would hope, those listening out there, that every single one of those people are defeated in the Republican primary. The use of the impeachment process as a political weapon is one of the most despicable things that Democrats have ever done. And they've done a number of despicable things, in my view, including this unlimited abortion right. Um, Okay. Also, there'll be a free hand to the tech giants. No more Google, Facebook, no longer have to worry about uh, facing uh, reform, uh, facing some uh, limits on what they can and cannot do, uh, facing the problem of losing their immunity from lawsuits uh, for what they publish, uh, even though they're essentially gone over the... The idea of of giving them immunity was that they were platforms. Now that they are deciding what should be on, they're really advocates. And so uh, there's a good argument for uh, enforcing antitrust laws against uh, this, and particularly the way Amazon operates. Remember, Amazon is also immune from up treating all people the same way. Way back in, the, in 1870, I think it was, I remember, there was a Commerce Act which required the monopoly to treat their customers the same, and that, uh, that was aimed at the uh, railroads and it was aimed at the um, telegraph companies, that uh, they couldn't discriminate in favor of their big customers in terms of use of, of, of uh, the services of these monopoly positions. Well, Amazon discriminates as a matter of course, and they can do whatever they want. So they can favor one group or, or one uh, supplier over another supplier, and therefore they're able to, let's say, maximize their revenue by saying, you want to be first on the list, you want us to feature your, your, your products or, service, or services, you, you'll pay and you'll pay more. And so this really hurts. Because you've got to be on Amazon, to, apparently, to, to make money in the retail market. So the free hand to the Czech giants, they will do whatever they want, and they are moving to a position where they are being more powerful than most governments. 
And with their alliance, their informal alliance with Communist China, they may become more powerful than any government, including the U.S. government. <clears throat> and I just discussed this this uh, this, this tax issue. Uh, the Atlantic Democrats will, will engineer a major tax cut for the wealthiest people in the country, who are their supporters, by removing the cap on tax write-offs. And we just talked about that. That's going to happen. Um, <clears throat> we're going to have re-regulation. It's a lot of the environmental regulations we put in place, a lot of the regulatory stuff, which which has the effect of giving more authority to centralized federal authority, federal bureaucracies. So the re-regulation will occur. And if you talk to a small business, um, taxes are not as big an enemy of their success as, as some of the regulations. One must remember that under the Obama administration, the number of small businesses going out of business exceeded the number of small businesses coming into business. That was reversed under Trump, and that will be reversed again. So we have those things for the domestic assault on Christianity and Christian beliefs, destruction of uh, Trump allies and supporters as much as they can, the free hand to the tech giants, uh, tax cuts for the wealthy uh, in high-tax states, particularly in contrary in high-stack high or blue states, uh, as a reward for their... <laughs> financial support for the Democrats. Obviously, increasing, as part of the re-regulation, increasing uh, bureaucratic picks of winners and losers. The fact that, you know, Obama administration, that virtually every one of the companies that was chosen for federal subsidies, for federal guarantee investment guarantees, failed is, of course, irrelevant to the bureaucrats. This time we'll get it right, say the bureaucrats, yeah, like, sure, they'll get it right, right. And uh, so that's that's the domestic side of it. Uh, the deficit spending will increase. The Republicans were didn't help that either. You know, one reason the conservative movement has totally collapsed is uh, in, in favor of a kind of a populist, uh, social, social, cultural, and populist movement is they didn't deliver. I mean, when did conservatives, except way back when uh, Clinton and uh, made a deal. Uh, with the Republicans in the House <coughs> uh, to balance the budget. W w when did they really balance the budget? When did they really fight for that? Uh, when did they really uh, stand up for small, smaller government? And, and the American people don't favor smaller government. That, they don't. Uh, they like uh, the, the, the welfare payments. They like feeling security. That's one of the great reforms of the capitalist system that... Uh, Gain right. capitalism support among the uh, the uh, labor classes. Are we up against a break? Yes, sir. Okay, I'll be back. Hi, this is Rocky Blair, and I hope you'll make plans to join us on January 28th for Warriors for Hope. I'm thrilled to be a part of this virtual fundraiser for St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital and Warriors to Citizen. These organizations do so much to support veterans, first responders, and families who have been touched by pediatric cancer. I'd also like to thank David Moxley and his show, David's Pick, here on America's Web Radio for supporting Warriors for Hope. And I know you'll want to join in and support this event as well on January 28th. So visit warriorsforhope.events, that's warriors and the number four, hope.events, 
You can make a gift and reserve your seat for this virtual benefit. Again, that's Warriors and the number four, Hope.Events. Thanks for your support, and we'll see you at noon on January 28th. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's D-O-C-S, the number four, patientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. If you live to serve and want to make an even bigger difference, consider joining the U.S. Army. With training in fields like medical care, linguistics, and engineering, an Army career can amplify your efforts with humanitarian opportunities all over the world. Plus, you'll receive competitive pay and incredible benefits, so you'll be taken care of, too. Learn more at GoArmy.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Professor Robert Dagestin with the Facts Matter. And by the way, the fact that I didn't uh, really concentrate on, and I should have, on this tax, this tax cut for the wealthy, the Democrats are planning. And that's that's without an increase in marginal tax rates, which there'll probably be an increase in marginal tax rates. So some of that benefit of $145,000 for the top one-tenth of one percent will, of course, be, uh, will, will be offset by a marginal tax rate increase of, 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 of some percentage. Uh, but uh, the typical middle class, and the, and the Democrats are going to try and sell, sell this to the middle class. The typical middle class, that middle quintile, their tax cut will be a little less than $27 a year. That will be more than offset by an increase in the marginal tax rates, obviously. That's why I want to bring that up when people say, oh, the Republicans are for the wealthy. No, no, the Democrats are for the wealthy. They're the ones who are for the affluent, the government bureaucrats, the people who make the upper middle class and, 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 and wealthy in this country vote overwhelmingly for the Democrats. Take a, list, take a look at the 30 most, the 30 wealthiest cities in the country. Virtually all of them are represented by Democrats. Take a look at the 10 wealthiest congressional districts. Before this last election, 10 out of 10 were represented by Democrats. I don't know what that is now. It may may be down to 9 out of 10 now. Democrats represent them. Why? Because nothing affects them. They can work from home. So eh, shut down the country. It doesn't affect us. I can work from home. Let alone that you're destroying it. Those are only deplorable. So we destroy their business. We destroy their jobs. Who cares? They're deplorable. Anyway, we'll give them like $600 or $1,000 a month unemployment, and they'll make them happy. So you know, now it's 2000 whatever it is. You know, free stuff. We'll give them something. Make them happy. It won't affect us. It will affect them in the future because they just don't see it. Anyway, we don't need to produce anything. We're in the service sector. We're in the the manipulation sector, the information sector, entertainment sector, manipulate information on financial institution sector, we're all that stuff. What do we care uh, about lockdown? Anyway, having finished those as my domestic prophecies, let me give you some foreign prophecies. The first one's already occurred. 
uh, Biden has rejoined the climate accord, which is which is ridiculous. The climate accord has nothing whatsoever to do with restricting uh, uh, so-called polluting gases. The climate accord will have no effect. Because neither China nor India is subject to the agreements, and neither is the third world, which is going, to, which needs energy and cheap energy in order to function, and therefore oil and gas and, and China and India coal are very important, and uh, coal is the you know in terms of giving up of carbon dioxide. If you consider carbon dioxide a polluting gas, they're leading. Because of that, and in this country, of course, we use clean coal, and so it's very little polluting. But but in India and China, you get particulate matter, you get all sorts of stuff. Uh, and you think that uh, African countries, which are which those who are, who, are, who are starting to to have their people prosper, that are developing and developing. Uh, uh, free markets that are turning away, except for South Africa, which is going in the wrong direction. But a lot of them are turning away from the nonsense of socialism and towards more free markets, towards letting people decide for themselves. If they want to have communes, that's up to them. I mean, sometimes it works, but it works on a voluntary local level, not on a national level. I mean, look what happened to Israel, the kibbutz movement. I mean, Israel was set up as a socialist country, a beacon, as much socialist as Jewish. And Israel's economy was in the pits until Likud took over and turned to the free market. You go to a kibbutz now, and it's not, no, the children are no longer being raised communally. And Israel is now the startup country, small businesses. Israel does that. How about, how about, how about Great Britain? United Kingdom, they turned socialist without having the, the authoritarian uh, excesses of, this, of other socialist countries like uh, Germany, Nazi Germany, National Socialist Germany, and Communist Russia and, and Communist China, and Pol Pot and Fidel Castro and Cesar Chavez and the rest of them. Uh, and what happened to them? By the 1970s, they were, they were called the sick man of Europe. Look it up, sick man of Europe. Who saved the economy of, of the of the excuse me of the United Kingdom? Yes, Margaret Thatcher. Oh yes, left hates her, but she she, as she said, this lady's not for turning. She saved and made the United Kingdom the prosperous country it is today uh, because she unraveled the socialism. And no, Sweden is not socialist. Denmark is not socialist. Norway is not socialist. No, no. Or the, the, they're more corporate capitalists than anything else. Look it up. They have, you know, generous welfare benefits, but it's okay. Doesn't make them socialist. Anyway, getting back, what's going to happen in foreign policy? Well, the, we're all in the climate accord, which is a disaster. The the Biden administration will uh, proceed to continue the Obama policy of appeasing Iran. I mean, after all, Obama gave Iran $150 billion so they could spend it on terrorism around the world in order to uh, get them to make believe that we're going to not build the nuclear weapons. Uh, and we'll do that again. So they'll, 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 they'll lift the 
sanctions against Iran slowly but surely, and Iran will promise, promise, promise to abide by a nuclear deal, and they will not abide by anything. So the appeasement of Iran will resume. And, but most dangerous of all is China. Here's the, Obama, the Biden administration yelling about Russia, Russia, Russia. Meanwhile, flat-out prediction. They will leave China with a free hand at the South China Sea. China will turn the South China Sea into their own lake. Uh, and and uh, with, with reproductions in the Philippines, Vietnam, Japan, uh, nervousness, Malaya, all, Malaysia, all those, those, those places. And, and, and once we allow them to have a free hand the South China Sea, I think we can bet on the fact that communist China will move against Taiwan. How they move against Taiwan, probably not a military attack, but uh, say maybe a military surrounding, maybe embargo surrounding Taiwan. One way or another, Taiwan will become under sway of communist China, and we will do nothing about it, of course. North Korea will resume their nuclear weapons testing, which hasn't been done since Trump's been around. So we will have a very different world where, once again, the United States will be perceived as a fading power. Chinese have already said so. And the Chinese government intends to restore the grandeur of the Middle Kingdom. Remember that China was once the most advanced nation on the face of the earth until the Mandarins got charged and centralized all decision-making in the emperor's palace and emperor's bureaucracy. And that was the beginning of the end. China was once had the greatest explorers in the world. They had gone to Africa. They were trading on the east coast of Africa. And there's some evidence that they turned the horn and actually made it to South America. Their ships were called back because there was too much money being spent on foreign and foreign adventures. And and we didn't want to, we know how we know what's best, said the mandarins and the bureaucracy. So China is just trying to reestablish that. And part of the reestablishment is what are they doing? They're creating a one identity company country. The Uyghurs are being persecuted and killed. The Christians are being persecuted and killed. The, the Buddhists have been, have been, have been purchased, persecuted and killed. The whole country will be Han Chinese and, it, and will be subject to social controls because they understand that you cannot really have an empire, which is what, of course, America is turning to, an empire this multicultural nonsense. No, no multicultural country will will survive. The United States has never been. Despite what Al Gore said about uh, e pluribus unum meant out of many, out of uh, one many. No, no, Al, you got it wrong. Uh, even though that's how the Democrats treat the country, out of one many. And if you have many, you have competing groups, you have conflict, which is, of course, what the Democrats like, because that gives them their centralized power. Only the central government can solve the problem, create the utopia, and get rid of conflict. Never mind that the Democrats are stirring up conflict from the uh, post-Civil War period to the current. 
you know, once the uh, uh, once we had uh, post reconstruction, Democrats have been up to dirty work ever since. Not necessarily because I don't want to take anything away from Hubert Humphrey and uh, that that band of courageous Democrats who helped pass the civil rights laws with, of course, Republican help, majority Republican help, but the policies they followed. On the one hand, they promulgated an executive order under Roosevelt. On the other hand, they initiate redlining. On one hand, they have uh, guaranteed uh, uh, mortgage loans, but they won't guarantee renovation federal renovations for the inner cities, and they encouraged people to leave the cities. There was a policy encouragement in the Roosevelt administration to for whites to leave cities when any blacks moved in there. And if you don't believe me, then you need to read about it. There's a book called Lying in the Lobby, which talks all about those what was going on in terms of the fight for, for equal rights for blacks and how the Democrats, to a large extent, even in that time, in the 60s, obviously the Democratic Party, the Senate, was, was dominated by Southern segregationists, but even the administration, the Franklin Roosevelt administration, and to an extent, the, uh, the Truman administration, and they did recognize Eisenhower as actually believing, that, and that they never did, said Eisenhower was an out-and-out integrationist, but he was absolutely committed to, to treating people equally. They say that. If well, I hope that uh, my audience, such as it is, learned something today. Thank you for listening. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.